The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. And our guest today is Jeff Lanza. He's an FBI special agent for more than 20 years. He's retired now, but he appears regularly on major national news channels such as Fox News Channel and other national shows like the Today Show, Good Morning America, Dateline, and and many others. He also travels around the country providing keynotes and seminars on topics like the one we're going to talk about today, which is how small businesses like you can protect yourselves from cybercrime and other vulnerabilities of the internet. Welcome to the show today, Jeff. Oh, glad to be here. Thank you, Kelly. Yeah, now, you know, we're hearing a lot these days about the large firms getting hacked. I know everybody right now it has Target on their mind because a lot of people shopped at Target during mm-hmm. the Christmas season, the holiday season, and, and uh, their information was compromised. But, you know, the national banks, we hear about those all the time, those incidences. But small businesses are also vulnerable. And some people would even say more vulnerable, yet they're probably the most uninformed about right. what they're vulnerable to and how they can prevent it. So talk to us a little bit about the different types of cyber crimes that small businesses should be aware of, and even some that perhaps they don't even have on their radar screen that uh, they should be paying attention right. to. I'm actually going to talk about three things right now okay. for small businesses sure. that can, and they might be surprised to, to just to hear that they are not protected if a bank, uh, a small business gets their bank account taken over. And I'm going to describe how that might happen in just a second. But if that if that takes place, the bank is not responsible for those losses. Most really? people think... The bank is going to pay back for any fraud. If you're an individual mm-hmm. and you have a bank account, they are required to, to pay back fraud to cover those losses if you report it within 60 days. That's the law. For businesses that have bank accounts, there's no law that requires a bank to handle those losses to, to pay back money lost to fraud. Uh, and people don't realize that. No, um, I'm sure they don't. Now, if it was the bank's fault, clearly mm-hmm. uh, they will be responsible for that loss. But in many cases, it's the business uh, that has to take responsibility for protecting their bank accounts. And, okay, uh, so, so, so let me take that one step further. Mm-hmm. Their own bank accounts, their own business bank accounts are vulnerable. Um, what about any information that's compromised with their clients or customers? Uh, are they also responsible for that then too? That's a whole different area okay, we're going to talk about you, as well. I'll let uh, you I, think take we, on. I think we should okay. talk about that too. They are responsible for customer information. They could be sued by their customers. They could be sued by people whose social security numbers that they've mm-hmm. lost. They may be in some states, they might be required by the state to provide credit monitoring uh, for those people. So Mm -hmm. in other words, uh, you have a social security number on file, it gets, your computer gets hacked into, they use that social to steal someone's identity. That's a big liability for you. They can sue you and require you, as I've started to mention, to uh, have uh, credit monitoring Mm -hmm. put on their accounts. So let's say you have 10,000 social security numbers compromised uh, if you're a business that deals with that many numbers. Now you've got to pay, you know, 20 bucks a month to some credit monitoring service for a two years period of time. Oh, uh, for 10,000 accounts? For, yes. Yeah, that Huge. gets expensive very Absolutely. fast. It can so put most small businesses out it, of business. It might put you completely yeah. out of business if, you don't, if it's not covered by insurance. And, and if you, but there's simple steps that you use 
that can protect that information. And uh, a lot of businesses are not really taking those steps. You, I know that you said you wanted to cover three things and you were setting up what right. you were going to talk okay, about. So, yeah. so before we get into the details about right. some of those, right. uh, what, are, what are the other two topics you want to address? Well, well let, let's talk specifically about bank account takeovers. Okay. There's three ways that might happen. One is through the infection of a computer through malware. Mm-hmm. So in other words, someone in your business uh, clicks on a link in, a, in an email that's designed to load malware on the computer system, the, the, the network in your office. So it might be an um, email from Amazon that's right. not really from Amazon, sure. uh, DHL, Federal Express, UPS, the FBI, and you say, oh, I need, I need to see what they're sending me, what packages I'm going to be receiving. And you click on that, and it surreptitiously loads this malware on your system, which kind of sits there quietly until you go to log into your bank account, and then it becomes a keystroke logger and records your keystrokes. So now it has your username and your password. They give that to the bad guys. Right. Then they use it to get onto your bank account, and they'll try to wire transfer or make automating clearinghouse transfers, ACH that's called. Uh, it's uh, like an electronic check that will try to do that mm-hmm. as quickly as possible before you know it's even happened. And and an important point to uh, mention here is that those big brands that you mentioned, uh, you might think that it's a UPS or Federal Expresser or one of the other ones, and, and these malware people are getting more and more sophisticated about imitating these brands. Yeah. So let's say I do expect a Federal Express package, and I get, it's typical to get a notification, and it looks like it's from Federal Express. What what can I do? That's just one example, but what are some of the things I can do to keep from clicking on links that I think are real right. and are relevant to my business, but they really aren't? They're malicious. Yeah. Instead of clicking on the link in the email, mm-hmm. because you can really never be sure, because they are very, very good at now... Uh, you know, doctoring those emails up to make them look so real, yeah. cutting, pasting logos and slogans into their emails. Mm-hmm. So you might be, if you are if you are involved in shipping packages, you may want to just go to the Federal Express website and with your tracking number directly. Uh-huh. Don't go through the link. Okay. Um, and some of those links do look suspicious, but again, they're starting to look a little more realistic. So you might want to just instead of clicking on the link, don't go, don't go there that way. Go go there directly to the site. So that's one way to mm-hmm. get the infection through this malware computer uh, infection. Second way would be through a fake phishing and um, a phishing email that that sends you to a bad site. So there's a message coming from your bank, you know, you know, the last national bank, and you click on the link. It opens up the bank account login page, which is not really the bank's login page. You give them mm-hmm. a username and password. That goes to the bad guys. In the meantime, you get a message that says our website is down now for maintenance. Come back in two hours. So you know, you come back later, and in the meantime, the bad guys are taking money out of your bank account. Right. Right. Um, so, so that's the second way it can happen. Mm-hmm. And again, remember, small businesses may have to absorb the loss right. uh, in, in these particular cases. Um, yeah. And so, th- and then, and the third way this can happen is through so- what we call social engineering. You may have heard that term, and that is just where people are tricking you uh, in these social interactions. They're engineering you to do something mm-hmm. uh, through through social means. Uh, so, and when it comes into uh, into the, into the world of computers, what we see is something like this. Uh, and this just happened recently uh, in, in a, with a company that I'm consulting with to try to, to try to get at the heart of this. Um, they, they, and I'm not going to name the company, so we'll just make make something up here. But they, they they found out the name of the controller of the company through LinkedIn or on their website, got their email address, and they found out another name of a person at the company. So they set up a domain name. Uh, that looked just like the company's name, except they put an extra letter in there. Uh, that so nobody would even that notice. nobody would know. Yeah. So there were two of some letter together. Mm-hmm. So domain name was available. They did an email from we'll just make up this name Joe Smith at 
ABC company, only it was abccompany.com, mm-hmm. sent to the controller saying, can you wire transfer uh, $18,000 uh, to this bank? Um, I'll explain later, you know, that, that type of thing. Uh-huh. Uh, the controller sends a message back, uh, how should I expense this? And so she's replying to the bad guy, right? right? And he says, uh, just expenses, general expenses, and we'll talk tomorrow. All right. So Tricky. she sets up the wire transfer. It's set to go, and the bank sets it up actually for the next day for mm-hmm. a, you know, reasons we don't have to go into, but they set up for the next day. In the meantime, then she replies. She doesn't reply. She, this time she sends an original message to the person. If she had replied, she would have got the same Bad answer. Guy she sent yeah. an original message to the person and said, and said, uh, uh, just tell me again what this is for. I need to have a company name or something. And, and uh, he said, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, and then she called the bank and stopped the wire transfer. So they saved about 18000 because they did that further investigation. But that's wow. social engineering to steal money. It's happening all over the country today. And and people just don't stop to think about they've got their names out there on LinkedIn. And, and it's not to say don't use LinkedIn. Right. It's a valuable tool, but you need to be careful. And I think one of the things, as you're talking about these different ways that your bank account can be compromised, is small businesses are always hearing about how they should have a relationship with a banker more than just a checking account. Right. And it, it, usually it's for loan purposes. You right. know, you need to get to know your banker so that so that you can uh, establish that relationship for getting a loan eventually or le- line of credit. But uh, this is as important or more important right. reason so that that banker, your your contact there, knows your habits, knows who you are, and if something strange mm-hmm. is going on in your account, they they know those patterns and they can alert you. I mean, there, it's there's critical. A company, there's a company in in Missouri that had uh, four hundred forty thousand dollars wired mm. out of their bank account using one of these scams I just described. Uh, and it was sent to Cyprus before they even realized wow. it happened. They went to court to fight off, fight it out with the bank as to who's going to pay the loss, and the judge decided it was the company's fault because they didn't take the controls that yeah. they needed to take. So they're at four hundred forty thousand now. Mm-hmm. Um, based on going with what you just said, it's really important for individual business owners to go to their bank because if you asked a, a business owner in the audience that we're talking to and said, "Well, how do you feel about these kind of threats?" Just, "Oh, we got it locked down. You know, it's not going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. You know, we got these controls in place." I would say you should reassess those. Controls. Controls. Go to your banker and say, besides talking about your accounts and your loans and you know your relationship in that regard, talk about. Uh, can you just tell me um, how I'm protected against these account takeovers, wire transfers, ACH transfers? What's being done to make sure that doesn't happen to me? And a bank, any good bank, has a series of fraud protections. Uh, we call them layers of security, where mm-hmm. that will prevent these things from happening. Make sure you're using those types of things. Uh, institute at least a, a few of them. Uh, to prevent these things from happening. Have a conversation with your banker about fraud rather than just all the other things you talk about. We're talking with Jeff Lanza, retired FBI special agent, about cybercrime in your small business. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to be visiting him with about some of the other areas where you may be vulnerable and what you can do about them. You're listening to Smart Companies Radio on blogtalkradio.com. You're progressing in your career, but at a pace that feels slow. You're ready to make great strides and invest in yourself. With your work and home schedule, how do you accomplish this? The Executive MBA program at Benedictine College, Kansas City's only one-year executive MBA program, is the answer. The competency gained and character built are outcomes that are of immediate and future value regardless of your future path. Go to benedictine.edu slash EMBA. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media, and we're visiting here today with Jeff Lanza, retired FBI special agent, who is talking with us today about cybercrime. And 
of course, with a 25-minute show, we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg on what Jeff can help you with. And if you would like to talk with Jeff more about speaking opportunities, uh, keynotes, consulting with him, he's going to be giving his website here. Why don't you go ahead and give right. us your website, Jeff? Right, it's just simply uh, thelanzagroup.com. So it's okay. T-H-E-L-A-N-Z-A group, uh, G-R-O-U-P.com. And uh, you can find okay. out more about me and what I do to help uh, businesses. Okay, thelanzagroup.com, because as I said, we are just uh, brushing the surface here. What I'd like to move into now is protecting your information. A lot of small businesses take credit cards. They uh, have other sensitive information about their clients and even their employees. And so how do, how do you go about protecting that as a small business, and what are the ramifications if it so, falls into somebody else's hands? You know, we talked in the first part of the show a little bit about <clears throat> what banks do to protect you from fraud layers of security. Right. The same rules really apply for protecting information. Uh, a layer of security being uh, a prote- uh, something that protects information, and the more layers you have, the better off you'll be. So, for example, if you're storing customers' credit card numbers mm-hmm. uh, on a computer system, uh, who has access to that computer system? Uh, how many uh, passwords does it take to get into a- to access that? Is it kept on a laptop, which is removed from the office? Right. All right. So one layer of security might be a password. Second layer of security might be that that laptop is locked up uh, where only people that need access to those credit card information that will have access to that, that particular computer. Third layer might be all the information is encrypted mm-hmm. on that computer. So even if someone got the password, someone got access to it that didn't need to have it, they still won't be able to see that information. Uh, same thing has to do with physical files. You know, mm-hmm. are those files kept in public uh, in, in in areas of a business that are open? to people that don't need to have access to that. Uh, So that would be something we call compartmentalization. If you have a person in your business that has no need to access credit card records, social security numbers of people, personal information, email addresses, they don't get access to that from an electronic or physical standpoint. Mm -hmm. You know, you brought up a good point there when you mentioned the laptops with mobile computing being so popular these days. You have a lot of employees who are bringing in their smartphones and Mm -hmm. their iPads and tablets that end up, uh, they're able to, uh, use the company's password to get onto right. the network with those devices, but employers don't necessarily know how those are protected. Uh, right. how, how do you address that as a business owner? More and more today, we're seeing companies uh, that are that are having employees use portable devices like you know iPads and and uh, other other types of portable devices uh, for company business. So. If that's the case, then we have to remember one simple rule to protect those devices devices with a password. Now, that protects the information. Just that four-digit code will keep that information safe. So if someone tries to – if you lose your iPad, even a phone, and it has Mm -hmm. company information on it, email addresses, customer information that can be accessed from that phone, the password will protect people from getting that information. Only about 50% of people use that. Yeah, they they can be kind of a hassle whenever you want to look at something real quick. It is a hassle. type that in. But as you say, it's critical. Yeah, and companies should also make employees sign an agreement, even on their own personal phone, mm-hmm. personal uh, portable, portable devices, that if their device gets lost, if that device is used for company business and mm-hmm. it's lost, they have the ability then to wipe it clean from their computer system. Okay. And you set that up in advance because you don't want people getting access to that information. So, again, no. another layer of security. You have the password, and then you have the ability to wipe the information off the computer. Okay. And can you insist device. that uh, your your staff uses the password? You said only about 50% of people do, but can you... Oh, I would make right, a condition of their employment, uh, of their uh, if they're working there. This is what we do in our business. You got to use the password, mm-hmm. and it is a hassle. But think about it. You know, if those st- 
devices get stolen all the time. In cities like San Francisco, an iPhone is, a, is, is what's coveted for these robberies. Almost one-half of all robberies in San Francisco are for iPhones because they're the most valuable on the black market because the, the product itself is worth about $500. Mm-hmm. So uh, employees need to lock that down with a password. And then you also can set it up in the iPhone and on the Android devices. If someone keys in a password the wrong time, wrong way, you know, I think on the iPhone it's ten times. It'll wipe it clean automatically. Hmm. And of course, everything's backed up. It's all backed up in the cloud. Exactly. You have it set uh, through iTunes on your iPhone, and so you don't really have to worry about the information getting lost. But it's protected. Yes. You know, you just mentioned the cloud. I, I'm going to digress just a little bit here. The uh, the cloud makes life so much easier for business owners who travel like me and for salespeople who need access to company information when they're away. Um, it has its vulnerabilities, and some of the detractors say you're, you're, just, it, you're just one step away from a disaster if you were dependent on cloud computing. What, what's your thought on that? Because there's a lot of small business owners who, who depend on it, but yet they get this advice that don't go there. It, it's, you're you're going to compromise your information. I mean, if you take the safeguards that you just mentioned, are you generally okay with that? Or? I, th- I think you need to uh, use a, a, a reputable cloud service. Mm-hmm. All right, so find one, an established name. Ask that company how they protect the information from hacking, how they protect it from a physical standpoint, from floods, from, mm-hmm. from other types of things. Do they have a backup for the backup? Sure, and in a different location, right? Hopefully across the country. Those type of things. Yeah. So for important company data, I mean, you know, local backup is fine, but think think how vulnerable that is. Right. Uh, you know, if your a business gets broken into, what if they walk out with all the servers? Mm-hmm. Um, what if uh, you, what if you have a, a, some kind of a, a, a tornado that comes through and destroys all that? With a cloud, at least all that information is protected. Uh, right. And so from the security standpoint, you talk to the cloud provider about how they protect it and look for those things, the backup mm-hmm. for the backup, uh, how they protect from hacking, how they protect it from you know, physical security uh, situations too. Okay. Now, we've been talking about external threats. One kind of threat when it comes to computers that businesses may overlook are internal threats, your own employees compromising the computers and using them in much the same way that some of these external criminals do. So how can we protect ourselves internally from those kinds of threats? Well, generally speaking, the first way to keep bad people out of your business that might do something like that is not hire them right. in the first place. So sure. then I always recommend people do thorough background investigations on people before they hire. And it's very inexpensive to do that, to hire a service to do that, number one. Um, but also have audit trails on access. Who, who's accessing information? Why they need that access uh, would be questions you would ask if they have access files that they haven't. They're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. You know, in the, in the hospital setting, just just for instance, there's there's these audit trails with electronic records. And if there's if someone accesses a patient file that, that doesn't need, they're not the nurse for this patient. They're not the doctor for this patient. They can be fired uh, because of the because of the healthcare laws that protect that information. Right. Think about it in the business as well. Um, it can be easily be set up. As to you know, who's, who's accessing my my Quicken files? They, why does this person need to go in there and look mm-hmm. at my payees uh, and all the other information that goes with my accounts? Um, you know, you'll you'll know that they did because you have a trail that's set up. You get you can set it up with alerts, mm-hmm. and if that happens, then you can question that person before the damage may potentially be done. Right. So what it comes down to is the processes that you have in place and. Personal vigilance, whether you're, it's your own personal accounts at home or whether your accounts as a business owner, it's just personal vigilance, and we get lax about that. We there do. are so many other things that are demanding of our time, and, you know, yeah, what are my chances of getting hacked? Right. 
it's probably fairly high if you're not vigilant about it and you don't have these processes in place. Yeah, well, you, you can't be in denial. I mean, mm-hmm. usually it's when you least expect it. When you when you when you think it's not going to happen to me, is that that's when it happens to you. Um, and so you, you and I know people are trying to run a business. They're trying to make a profit. They're trying to provide for their families and their employees and run the business successfully. And you get distracted from these things. But it's really just some simple things you can do to keep safe. Uh, and mm-hmm. generally in our country and in our culture, we have this this habit. We do things after oh, something definitely. has happened. You know, we right. see Target is if you want, for example, on the Target breach. If you went to Target on November 22nd and said, "Hey, we're we're just wondering how secure your point of sale service system is." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for to hackers, I can guarantee you they would have said, "We got it locked down. Don't worry, nothing's yeah. going to happen to us." We have looked at this. We saw what happened to TJX. We saw what happened to other companies. Uh, uh, Michaels. We're gonna. We're gonna. We got it taken care of. Mm-hmm. And look what happened. See, I can yeah. guarantee they would have said that. So, as a business owner, you do things before they happen. You look at the security uh, vulnerabilities and you take simple steps before there's a breach. Okay. In the in the remaining few minutes that we have, all right. Let's let's suppose a breach has occurred. They didn't hear our radio interview today, Jeff, mm-hmm. and they haven't taken the, the required precautions, and they're a victim. They they um, are hacked or, or whatever. What do you do in the aftermath of that? Well, what are the we, we started the interview talking about the bank takeovers. That's, right. that's really going to be your, your, your biggest threat right now in terms of a, a, an immediate monetary loss. Mm-hmm. So I would say you should, the owners of companies, the people that are CFOs, should have um, you know, immediate access uh, and, and um, a, a straight line to the fraud uh, hotline phone number of their bank okay. and, and their banker, their, their, their banker that they deal with on their phone. If they uh, see any money coming out of their account that looks suspicious, immediately call those numbers and tell them you suspect fraud. They can stop wire transfers before they've been picked up on the other end. If mm. there's, a, there's a slight delay before that happens, companies have saved literally hundreds of thousands of dollars by being alert to those things. Okay. So just be watching out for it and make those phone calls to the banker that you have on your phone. I'm going to pull it up on my phone. I'm going to call him right away. We've got a suspicious situation here and get something stopped as quickly as possible. Okay. Yeah. Um, is cyber insurance, uh, is, does that exist? Kind yes, of, they do have cyber software? insurance. More and more companies are offering cyber insurance to prevent against these account takeovers. You might want to uh, talk to your insurance provider about that. The big okay. companies are starting to provide that. They may, If they don't have it, they may find a third party who does. I'm not sure the expense of that, uh, and I'm not sure you know uh, if it covers all of these types of things right. we're talking about, but you might want to just open that conversation. Yeah, it's worth a discussion, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, Jeff, it's been wonderful having you on the show today. And again, as I mentioned, we were only able to touch the surface of a lot of this, and Jeff is available to talk with your group, with your company, uh, consult with you, and also do keynotes for you. So, again, if they're interested in talking further with you about this, and maybe right. what are some of the other topics that you cover besides cybercrime? Right. I talk about cybercrime. I talk about identity theft prevention. Mm-hmm. I, have a, I have a presentation on ethics that's approved for uh, credit in many states. I do something on leadership communication. Those are my main topics. Okay. And if they go to my website at thelanzagroup.com. They can look at uh, all that information. And uh, most of what I do is presentations to groups, businesses, associations, and uh, I really travel all over the country doing that. Okay. Well, Jeff, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. And if you'd like to learn how to grow your business, you can go to www.ithinkbigger.com. Take advantage of our resources there on the website. You can also follow us on Twitter at I Think Bigger or like our Facebook page at Thinking Bigger Business Media. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.